Hello, welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesland, and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We're here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we're talking about vocation with Pastor Andrew Jones. Uh, in talking with young people who are in Gen Z, I often hear them talking about wanting to make an impact in the world around them. Um, I don't know if that's uh, common or not, but it certainly is, I guess, for me with the young leaders that I work with. Uh, and I really feel like this generation is very connected to to world issues, is really empathetic to the needs of those around them. So for Christians, we know that the positive impact we have is through the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, that they have in them through their baptism. Uh, and it helps us to bring light into dark places, which really does uh, make an impact uh, in the world. It becomes really important then for us to be talking about vocation. We use that word a lot. You're going to hear it uh, both in our 40 end goals, which we're talking about uh, in these episodes uh, this year, and also in our seven practices talking about vocations. And we all have many vocations throughout our lives. From the time of our baptism, God gives us his spirit for roles and responsibilities to others. And yet over time, those things are going to change. And this is one of the reasons why we think it's so important for young people to understand vocation and prepare for their vocations now and into the future. It's something, again, that they're born into, uh, but it gives them kind of this grasp onto the meaning of, of life and how God works through them and ways that they serve and also give praise to Jesus. So Mark, what kind of vocations did you have in high school? In high school, uh, let's see. I was a student, not a good one, but a student. Um, <laughs> and uh, I guess an athlete and a son and a brother. I mean, though I was kind of unique. I was, I, kind of was, I was by myself by the time I was in high school. So I was even a different vocation, kind of almost like a only child for a while, but uh, as my sisters were older. Um, church member, a friend, certainly. Uh, so a lot of those things that definitely poured a lot of time into in high school. How about, how about you? Yeah, uh, many similar, obviously not athlete, uh, but certainly <laughs> uh, musician. Um, I worked through a lot of mm, high school. Yeah. And so um, certainly was uh, learned that vocation of, of fast food worker and then retail worker. Uh, and, uh, you know, also had responsibilities in some, some clubs like, uh, like French club. Um, and, uh, he just uh, had a lot of different places at not just congregation member. I think mm -hmm. you and I have both talked about how we were uh, in some leadership roles mm -hmm. in high school as mm -hmm. well um, and how that vocation played out for us. So, you know, I think as we talk about our young people, we have uh, not just a few, but a lot of different vocations that we're speaking into. And so this month we're highlighting that study and devotions on vocation written by Pastor Andrew Jones. He is joining us today to talk more about vocation and how we can have those conversations in youth ministry. Uh, Pastor Andy Jones lives in the Bay Area of California, where he enjoys writing, hiking, and adventures with his wife, Stephanie. He has served the congregation on three continents in varying roles, including campus ministry, international mission work, professor of preaching, and parish pastor. His writing speak to the importance of spiritual disciplines in the midst of a hectic world. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So we got to hear a little bit about you briefly in the intro. Uh, tell us a little more about your vocations, which is a question we ask all of our interviewers, but uh, certainly appropriate today. Uh, your roles in youth ministry and other things that bring you joy. Sure. So I think my, my bio listed most of my, my vocations, uh, you know, First and foremost, I am a child of God. I'm a servant of the Lord. Um, I am a husband. Uh, my wife, Stephanie, and I have been married for almost 15 years now. Um, and 
We like to do a lot of things together. We're always looking for the next adventure. Uh, we like to hike, backpack, uh, run, you know, whatever it happens to be. We like to find the, the, the beautiful things in Northern California in the great outdoors out here. So uh, that's, that's certainly part of our vocation is to find God's good creation and enjoy it. Uh, in my uh, more professional life, I am a pastor of a congregation, First Lutheran Church and Preschool in Concord, California, which is in the East Bay. I get to serve the church at large in a, in a wide variety of ways. Uh, I, I'm a writer. I'm an author. I was just started a role as circuit visitor, which is Ooh. new to me. So that's awesome. an interesting vocation. Um, and I also have gotten to be a professor for Concordia Seminary in St. Louis on a couple of occasions with some preaching courses, homiletics courses. And in youth ministry, uh, a lot of my vocations in that role are sort of in, in the past, it feels like. Um, I don't know if you guys have had Shelly Schwalm on the show. She's one of my very good friends, but she's in a role at Concordia University St. Paul as the university ministry associate. And long before her time, I was like the prototype of that job in campus ministry at CSP. And that was a great, you know, that was a great gig where I got to work with uh, college age students on, at the university campus um, and really get to know a lot of what they were going through, not just as a student, but more as a staff person walking with them through the challenges of life. Uh, part of my international time was in a, I'll call it a unique congregation in Frankfurt, Germany. Mm. It's an international English speaking congregation that is typically served by an LCMS pastor an LCMS staff, but they're not, a, the congregation is not a member of the LCMS. Um, so I got to work there in, you know, sort of what you would expect a DCE to do, except I didn't have any of the credentials or training. Uh, so you know, I, I got to be the youth, the youth guy. That's what they called me. Um, and now as, as parish pastor, you know, I have uh, a group of upcoming youth. We have a lot of kids in middle school right now, uh, but very few in high school, nobody in college. Um, so most of my time with youth now is sort of like bringing them from that uh, childhood stage more into adolescence. And so we're, we're working on confirmation for the first time in a while sure. right now, awesome. just getting that rolling. Um, and so, yeah, we've got a great group that's sort of up and coming. And so I have to get back on my, my youth shoes a little bit. <laughs> I'd hope they don't make me do a lock-in. You know, I did too many. <laughs> I don't don't know dive into that first. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm too old. Once you get started, we know you grow, a good You grow podcast. into that. Yeah. <laughs> What's great, I'm sure, is you're making those preparations. You're probably thinking back maybe on experiences you had growing up or certainly other uh, experiences you had in other contexts. And one of the things we love to hear from uh, those working in ministry or maybe about some time during junior high or senior high school years. Uh, maybe can you share about how Jesus used a key moment or moments or people to bring you closer to him or the church? Yeah. So my junior year of high school, I got to join this uh, music ministry group. I was, you know, a couple towns away because um, I grew up in a very small congregation. I grew up on a farm in the middle of Minnesota and, you know, my congregation, the youth group, a lot of times was me and my older brother. And that was kind of yeah. it. And we didn't have a lot of uh, people in the congregation who 
were our age and were as invested in the church as we were. And so when I joined this, this music ministry group, uh, I got to meet a lot of great other Christians who had uh, a similar passion uh, to me mm-hmm. for wanting to serve the Lord, for wanting to learn more about the Lord. And that was a really uh, important experience for me to introduce me to people who were like-minded and, and I got to sing like at all these different churches, <laughs> you know, for a couple cool. of years. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and probably the, the best thing that that group gave me was, uh, we had the opportunity to travel to Southern India for about a month mm-hmm. and do just concerts. So we do like a concert in the morning at a school and a concert in the evening in the town square. I just traveled all around Southern India, meeting tons of great people um, and, you know, getting to, to sing and perform sketches for them and meet with people before and after the concerts and, and just sort of talk about what it's like to be a Christian in India, a place where Hinduism really, really dominates the scene. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that experience really, I think, affected the trajectory of my life. Uh, I don't think I ever would have thought about trying to live internationally if I hadn't had that experience first. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that really affected sort of where my life took me and what I was willing to, to try, uh, later in life. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so now you mentioned a little bit, like you're kind of starting with some some middle schoolers, some young people. But as you do that, what do you love about working with young people and their parents in the congregation and community? They're just such interesting people, uh, and and I think for me, you know, I'm I'm definitely a millennial, and Gen Z is something that I'm just not acquainted with, and so getting to to see the sorts of things that that young people today are interested in, the sorts of conversations they have, and just the the attention that they have for, uh, I would say, particular things that they are invested in, that they care about, that my generation really didn't care about. Yeah, I think you get you you talked about this a little bit in your introduction. I think of just like people want their lives to have so much purpose. In, in today's world, young people, especially like they don't want to go into careers where they don't see the impact that they're having on the world around them. And I don't know, I just never felt that way about my friends when I was in high school, like no one really seemed like they wanted to have that sort of impact. And so since there is this interest in, in wanting to sort of uh, be such a positive influence on, on the world around them, that's what I love about working with them is that they care so deeply. And that is something that you, you can't teach very quickly. And since that's already there, uh, it allows me to listen to them and, uh, you know, hopefully just be a safe space that they can talk about, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. Does that sound crazy? And I can say, no, go do it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, that's yeah, exciting absolutely. to me. I think, I mean, it's, you know, we're going to be talking about this topic of vocation. I think vocation could be that one of the great ways then to be that connection to when those conversations come up and how do you help them understand how they're gifted, 
um, how, again, these interests God's given to them and how they can be impactful in the lives of other. And so that's part of when we were kind of wrestling with both the seven practices, but then also 40 end goals too, we really wanted to have a whole section to talk about vocation because we thought it was so important for people of any age, um, especially as they maybe go through transitions in life, but it's particular for Gen Z and young people in our congregation. So uh, now hopefully we have people have listened to the podcast um, are talking to kind of know what we're talking about when we say vocation and we've talked about in other uh, cases as well, but in case they don't, what are we talking about when we say the word vocation? Yeah, so a vocation, I would describe it as uh, calling, callings that are on our lives. Um, that can be different roles that we take on, uh, different responsibilities that God has given us, different relationships that we have. Uh, and there, there isn't just one vocation. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people make is that they limit vocation to like career, to job. Mm -hmm. But that's just not the case. Everyone has a variety of vocations all the time, and they shift and they change throughout our lives. And God opens up new doors and closes other doors mm -hmm. that he had called us into for previous seasons. And so, yeah, vocation, I would say that the one word definition is a calling. Yeah, and and so you kind of start uh, your your study, kind of breaking that up a little bit and helping us think about that. Uh, why is it important? I mean, we talk about you, you, we asked you to to write this this study, but why do you think it's important for us to have young people understand vocation? I, I think it helps to give some, uh, I'll call it some some Christian framework to the things that that young people are feeling already. They're feeling this like tug to, to take care of something in the world. They're feeling this tug to go study this particular uh, field uh, when, they, when they go to college. They wanna be this particular career. They have this particular relationship that they feel called into. Vocation is sort of the framework that helps us talk about that and I think it's important to have that framework, you know, for several reasons, one of which is to know that there isn't just one calling on your life and that all of the callings that we receive, all of the vocations that we have are always going to be underneath the, the vocation of being, you know, God's people, being children of God, being his servants, his disciples. And as we assess, is God calling me to fill in the blank. You know, is God calling me to this college or that college, this profession or that profession, this relationship or getting out of this relationship? Um, we always have to look back onto that you know, supreme vocation mm -hmm. as a way to understand our sort of sub vocations, the supreme vocation being child of God. As a child of God, should I go into this? Is that mm -hmm. the right thing for me to do? And there's a lot of room and a lot of flexibility with what we choose to do. Um, but, but sometimes knowing that and, and being grounded in that relationship with the Lord is really helpful to guide us in our other choices. We really appreciate reading through your study and how you got the participants to get into the word of God and you use four different people from the scripture to talk about vocation. Mm -hmm. Who did you choose and why did you choose them? Yeah, so I, I wanted to choose sort of... Uh, couple Old Testament, couple New Testament, and I wanted to choose some obscure people too. Uh, so mm -hmm. 
we, we begin with Joseph, uh, the Old Testament Joseph, not the father of Jesus, but Joseph in, in the book of Genesis. We, we, the second one is on Naomi, uh, Ruth's mother-in-law. The third one is on a very obscure couple, I think, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. And the final one is on Jesus. And so, you know, I, I wanted to, I just thought all of these people had such a great story with a lot of varied vocations. You know, Joseph goes from being, uh, you know, with his family to being sold into slavery. Uh, and he goes through all these different struggles throughout all of his time in Egypt. And there's this refrain that keeps occurring in, in the Joseph story that is, you know, but the Lord was with Joseph. And so no matter where he went, no matter what roles he had, no matter what responsibilities he was given, what relationships he had, God was with him. That relationship never stopped. And it allowed him to prosper throughout his entire time. Um, Naomi's story is, you know, she's, she's one of the most underrated people in the scriptures. You know, she, she starts off in just this horrible place of being in such grief. And, you know, you can always tell when someone is really struggling, when, when they try to send away the relationships mm. that they have. You know, Naomi has lost her husband. She's lost both of her sons. The only relationship she has left are her, her daughter-in-laws, her daughters-in-law, pardon me. And she's, a, she's in a foreign land, so she doesn't have any family around except these, these two daughters-in-law. And one of them she sends back to her family, and one of them refuses to go, Ruth, and, and so they, they go back. And so I think it's just this great story of seeing her in this place of emptiness and then God restoring her fortunes and giving her a new vocation, uh, making her a grandmother. And yeah, it's just one of those stories where you, you, you see God at work to bring about this transformation. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, the third one with Priscilla and Aquila. Oh man, these two are so great. And, and they're <laughs> mentioned so many different times in the scriptures, yeah. but, but we just overlook them. Um, you know, these two are their traveling companions of Paul for a while. He mentions them in several different letters. And when he when he tends to mention them, they're always uh, mentioned as having a church in their home. No matter mm -hmm. what city they're living in, they have a church in their home. They're gathering people together. They are, you know, the king and queen of hospitality wherever they go. And and the other thing that always strikes me about Priscilla and Aquila is there's this great story in the book of Acts where they see this guy preaching the word of God, Apollos. He's this great speaker, this great orator. And yet he, he's missing a couple pieces about the way of Jesus. He's missing some stuff about baptism. And so they, they take him aside together, both Priscilla and Aquila, and they teach him the way of God more clearly. They take this great speaker and they just are like, hey, we actually know something that you're not aware of. Can we teach you about it? And he's like, sure. Uh, and I just find that just fascinating that this couple traveling throughout the Mediterranean as, uh, you know, they're, they're called tent makers. So they're working with like leather and stuff like that for, for tents, for sails on ships. Um, and everywhere they go, they're serving the Lord, whether that's through teaching people about him or through hosting a gathering of Christians in their home. Uh, so I just, I just love those two. Finally, we get to, to Jesus and 
I wanted to include Jesus because I think the it's very clear that he has a lot of different vocations. You know, he has some of the, but what I really wanted to highlight was that there are some vocations that we share with Jesus and there are some vocations that are unique to him. And so Jesus is someone who is in a family. You know, he is a child. He's a son. He has, you know, brothers and sisters. He has friendships and things like that. He puts himself in a situation where he learns from, from teachers when he's a young boy and he is a teacher himself. You know, he gathers a group of people and leads them and teaches them. Uh, but he also has all these different vocations that, you know, we, we don't have, and we shouldn't try to aspire to, um, you know, he's the savior of the world. He's the mm -hmm. Lord of all. He's the one who forgives our sins. Those are his particular roles, his particular responsibilities. And I think it's important for us to, when we think about vocation, to know there are some things we are called to and some things we are not called to. And just because someone else is called to a particular vocation doesn't mean that we are less than because of that. Sometimes that's just what God does. He puts a particular call on someone in particular's life. And with Jesus, good thing he does. Uh, because we we need him to be uh, the savior of the world. We need him to be the resurrection and the life for us. Yeah, I loved, I got some pieces from you as you were designing the study that you were like, we're going to use Bible stories. And I was like, okay. And then you kind of went, I was like, okay, I was tracking Joseph. And then you sort of went rogue, kind of went everywhere else. <laughs> I was like, I love it, right? Maybe not necessarily the, the, the typical stories that you would, uh, that maybe our young people have heard time and time again, but all, or maybe they have, and maybe you just took a different perspective on it, which was super helpful. People, especially who maybe aren't uh, feeling super confident in being well-versed, Priscilla and Aquila can be a little bit like, I'm sorry, who, right? But also I've heard those names, but also I'm not necessarily sure I know kind of their story. The leaders looking to get into that city, anything that you would say is important back or backstory or information you'd want them to know about Priscilla and Aquila as they kind of jump into that study? Um, I think the most interesting thing to me about these two is um, that they were sort of exiled from their homes. Um, there was this decree that went out in like about 49 AD that prevented uh, Jewish people from living in the city of Rome. And that's where they had been living. And so they had to leave. They were exiled from their homes. And so they sort of travel around and, you know, they spent some time in Corinth. They spent some time in Ephesus. And then eventually we see in the book of Romans that part of what Paul is writing uh, to the church in Rome, he includes Priscilla and Aquila because they've moved back and they've they've started a church in their home again. And so I think for for young people, I thought that it was important to include them, these two in particular, because they had such a sort of tumultuous life. Mm -hmm. Things happened that were beyond their control. They spent time in a lot of different places, which you know I can relate to personally. Um, and just because you're in a different place doesn't mean that certain vocations have to stop. It might mean that, but it doesn't have to mean that. Um, you know, when it's really easy, when, <laughs> when you move from one place to another, when you move from, from high school to college, and maybe you're a long ways from, from home, uh, 
certain things that were a part of your life are harder to do. It's a little bit harder to go to church on Sunday when you're in college than when you're in high school. Um, it's, it's one of those things that you have to get up and you have to make the choice to do it, but you are, you can still be in that vocation as a participant in a congregation. Um, and, and also just, you know, letting people know that God is with them through each of those situations. You know, Priscilla and Aquila's story to me really mirrors Joseph's story in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of movement and yet wherever they go, God opens doors, God opens opportunities for them to serve in different ways. And they choose to confidently step through those doors. And, you know, they're also a couple, which I find kind of compelling because they just do all this together. Um, and, and that's something that a lot of the relationships that we see on the pages of scripture, what's highlighted tends to be more of the problems. And with Mm -hmm. Priscilla and Aquila, we don't hear any issues with them. They just, you know, they go around from place to place and, and they're together. And I think it's good to have that just purely positive example. Like you said it before, I always thought Priscilla and Aquila was like one of those underrated stories in scripture. It's, just, it's exciting just to read them, see where they keep popping up in mm-hmm. Paul's letters and Paul's life um, in the early church. Um, just great study of history and kind of just economics and career. And, and like you said, just wherever they went, um, they're still faithful to God and God was faithful to them and uh, continue that ministry. You mentioned that final session. Um, you talked about Jesus's divine vocations. And I, I think you were pointed out one of those important things that was great about studying that is to kind of uh, um, help us see again that there are some vocations we're called for and some that we are not. And we especially see that in Jesus. Uh, for young people, for all of us, uh, what important things can we learn by looking at Jesus and his specific vocations and what they mean for us? Yeah, I think it's it's helping us see that, you know, Jesus is a human being mm-hmm. and, and he he does relate to us in all these different ways. Um, I just finished a a sermon series on the prodigal son in my congregation and looking at it from like the three different characters in, in the story. And it was fascinating to me how the character of the father in the story is one that people in my congregation actually relate to a lot um, because the father experiences these broken relationships. Mm -hmm. And Jesus experiences these things. You know, it, it's part of his vocation to be in these relationships that break. Um, he's betrayed. He's, he's abandoned by his disciples. And so it's, with Jesus, it's important for us, I think, to recognize, you know, the two natures of him. He is, he's both human and divine. And the human side, we can really relate to a lot more than we tend to expect. And the divine side you know, the divine nature of Christ, we see all of these other different vocations that come to light. Uh, he's, he's a healer. He can perform these miracles. He can do things that no one has done before in the history of the world, you know, walking on the sea, making a, a man born blind, be able to see, um, and rising from the dead under his own power. These things are just amazing. And I think we can, I think it's important for us to not only look at the vocations that, that we hold, but to look at the vocations that other people hold and how they can be such a beautiful gift to us. Um, 
we, we see this with certain people in our lives, you know, like we, we see this with, with teachers. We, we, we all have a teacher in our life that like just made such a difference and like helped mm-hmm. us see something. And we appreciate that gift. But there are so many other vocations like that where we can receive the gift of someone else's calling into our life as this beautiful thing that God has done. And with Jesus, he's just the, the prime example of that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I really love uh, being able to look at Jesus, right, and see both sides of that, like what we share and the ways in which he teaches us um, about himself through, you know, that lens of vocation. Uh, I found it, I found it really helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I know other other people will as well. So, you know, as we're looking through these year of resources and we're highlighting <clears> one, <throat> uh, we're highlighting this one uh, this month, uh, how might you encourage adult leaders who might be looking to use your study um, in the upcoming weeks with their young people? Uh, my encouragement is always to, to let leaders, uh, uh, let the kids be curious. Um, <laughs> let your let your students get lost in discovery. And so, if if you're working on this and they decide they want to know more about the Joseph story, no, that's fine. Go go get lost. If they decide that they want to read the entirety of the Book of Ruth instead of just the snippets that I give you, read the whole thing. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Allow yourself to get lost in some of this allow yourself to to dig deeper and to go on the adventure of figuring out whatever they're interested in if they're if if your students are interested in something go search it out don't don't feel like you have to stick to the task Um, you can come back to it later that's such a great suggestion, I, just in general, not just for your study, <laughs> right? Uh, such insight into being able to, to let them have some direction there. Well, I always love talking about this topic, vocation. It's just one that, um, you know, I think ever since going to the seminary and just looking back on my life when people would maybe not use that word. I mean, I think I did grow up with the idea that vocation was your career, um, but right. you had to go yeah. more deeper into what that calling was. Um, but certainly had people around me who was help, who were helping me understand every step of my life, how God was using me um, to be, again, his hands and feet, masks into the world um, and how he worked through me. And so it's just always a beautiful teaching, I think, that we have as Lutheran and other Christians too. Um, and I think it's impactful on the lives of young people to talk about, again, just their worth, uh, to talk about, um, again, how they're made and how the gifts God's given to them. So I love when we have authors like this and speakers like this um, who love to talk about that uh, idea of vocation, that concept, that teaching, and get us into scripture to see how it played out in the lives of others too. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, you know, as a youth leader, this was not a topic that I took on particularly often, right? Um, It was not one that I felt like I was super well versed in and so that I could speak about it very confidently. And so I've been really pleased that over the last couple of years, we've done some podcasts, we've done some resources so that hopefully um, the youth leaders are feeling like they have the tools that they need to be able to talk about this more because I really do think um, this generation and, and the generations that are going to come after them really are young people who are looking for they're young people of action they're young mm-hmm, people of mm-hmm. empathy they they do want to leave uh, a mark behind and to be able to frame up that you know at some level ambition mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. in a uh, positive ambition in a way that helps them focus on 
who they are in Christ is really important. And, and I love too, I mean, we talk about a lot about that kind of push and pull, I think in today's culture for young people about being the individual. And I think on one side we can say where rampant individualism has caused a lot of issues in not just the church, but just in the individual lives of young people too, and getting kind of separated from community and other things. And I think vocation can be one of these great ways to talk about, again, those specific roles God's given to us and those unique roles God's given to us and what an exciting blessing that is for us. And that those take you into maybe some corners of life and take the gospel into that are gonna be very unique to you. And you might find yourself in these places, you're the only Christian in this area of work or in this class, I mean, whatever it might be. And yet still God goes with you um, and you get to shine the gospel into those areas too. So I think it's an exciting way to help young people understand individuality, but at the same time, the blessing is to be part of a community of again, the baptized and are being strengthened in, in their vocations. Yeah. I also love that vocation allows us to say um, it's not just future talk. There's so yes, much future right. talk for our right. young people, but this is like right here and now talk mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that vocation values that kind of big picture uh, change the world as well as the very ordinary, right? You know, Luther in talking about vocation talks about like um, vocation, yeah, is a lot of big things, but it is also a lot of the small, everyday, um, mundane ways mm-hmm. that we kind of go through our day that are, are also framed in that as well. And so I think for young people who uh, are struggling with like, uh, I want to do all of these things in the future, or mm-hmm. I want to do X, Y, and Z to be able to say like, yes, but also called to um, your household, your right. church, your thing, your friends in the most kind of mundane of ways, mm-hmm. <laughs> the most boring ways uh, here and now as well. So some closing questions for you to consider. First, how are you helping people frame the impact they want to have on the world through vocation? How can talking about vocation help young people increase their curiosity about the world God has placed us in? And finally, how can you help young people prepare for future vocations, especially in times of transition? We will continue to keep you in our prayers as you live out your vocation, including your vocation of youth leader. And we pray that in helping young people better understand scripture and vocation, you are able to more clearly see how God is working through you as a child of God. Engold's podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church. Mm-hmm.